are listening to Panorama Deluxe, a podcast made by Jean-Emmanuel Deluxe, with incidental music by Jérôme Brack, uh, who did also uh, compose and record the theme song, and uh, technical supervision by Olivier Latron. Today, we are um, talking with uh, Todd Taylor, and I hope you'll enjoy uh, the long conversation I have with him along with the music from his new album. Uh, you probably all know Todd Taylor, but if you don't know, he's a true Renaissance man who began his career with the compact organization in the uh, 80s, uh, including music by himself on Werner Lint. He's continued to make music and his forthcoming album is really exciting. So, um, and he influenced a lot of people, including Bertrand Burgala in France. So I hope you enjoy the show. G glad to talk to you, Todd, and um, all the way from France to England, because um, right now there is a new single coming out, Monster Raving Looney, and um, the B-side is Know You Talking. And uh, I thought it was uh, the best um, alibi, <laughs> the best excuse to talk to with you. And uh, especially about this uh, this new song, which we have been a single of the week, uh, single of the month for it. Uh, single of the week was for the enemy, and now it's a record, <laughs> record collector magazine. So it's a warm month for May, and it's called Monster Raving Looney, and uh, it sounds very uh, pop and um, and uh, even some kind of 70s production. And uh, but the, the main thing is about the the topic and. Uh, The, the Skype political topic. So, would you try to explain a little bit about uh, this, uh, this this theme of this song? Yeah, about the topic. So, in other words, about the subject matter. Yeah. Um, well, firstly, it's nice to hear you, <laughs> and thank you for you know thinking of me to do these these podcasts. Um, yeah. So, uh, so many of the songs that I've had released over a long period of time now mainly you know really since I was a, since I was at school I started to, to put records out when I was actually at school um, they, they're, they're often or they're sometimes or more often <laughs> they're what you could loosely call protest songs and uh, um, I'm, part of me is quite an angry person and so um, I'm angry at the authorities and I'm angry at the at government and particularly the British government both conservative in other words Tory or Labour it doesn't matter which they're both as bad as each other and so this new song um, is the, the title is Monster Raving Looney and uh, yeah you're right uh, <laughs> Record Collector Magazine which is which is quite an important sort of magazine uh, over here maybe in Europe as well because it's so long term they just made it the single of the month which is a big kind of accolade um, but it's about a it's, it's about the position that we're in in the UK at the moment with a government that probably should collectively check itself into an asylum um, for medical lunatics because they are all lunatics They're, they all seem to British people, they all seem to be in it for themselves rather than to serve the people or to serve the country and this is what I'm totally against 
Um, you may know of, or, or you may remember, uh, a, a British singer called Screaming Lord Such. Yeah, of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. So Screaming Lord Such is the only, um, although lots of British um, pop musicians have been very deeply involved in politics, actually. I think lots of people have been very honourable who have been trying to do their best over a long period of years. Uh, Screaming Lord Such was the most extreme because he started his own political party, um, which, again, people probably know about about the monster-raving loony party. Um, and the monster-raving loony party started off as a bit of a joke, but started to get lots of followers because it was, a, at the time, it was the only alternative. And that's what the song is about. It's about... Um, you know, be if you want to be very, very unhappy happy and critical of your government, then you know, start your own party, start your own political party. That's what it's about. Okay, so listen, listen to that song, and we talk after that. Monster Raven Loony Monster Raven Loony 
by listening to this song, you know, it's all about England, but uh, I don't know if you know the situation in France and uh, there's a lot of people who are not happy with the government uh, at the moment, if you, f if you did follow the news. <laughs> so it's a British song, but it can be uh, understood in a lot of different countries because uh, a lot of people are dissatisfied about the government and maybe want it to be a, a more direct hold on things. Um, more old on uh, on the, uh, the the life. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's uh, apart from the, the what we might call the, the naked politics of the party and of this conservative government that we have in the UK. Some of the sort of aesthetics of the government are very odd. Um, they really want the mass of the population at school to study mathematics. <laughs> they don't really want you to be reading books so much. And a lot of the actual Tory politicians that we have in power at the moment are, are on very much on the sort of arithmetic side. They're on the mathematics side. They aren't what we might call cultured in terms of being readers, in terms of understanding the world through books. And that's one of the problems that we face, that we have what, what, what we would refer to as a Philistine government. In other words, they are neither properly educated or um, very aesthetically minded. You know, you won't find, for example, any conservative politicians going to the ballet in, uh, in London unless there's a very large banquet after it. Yeah, I understand what what you what you mean. I mean, it's like um, the, we are getting um, in, into some kind of idiocracy. <laughs> People don't don't caring about the art anymore. And about the um, uh, uh, more light topic about the sound of that uh, about album, uh, the sound of the A side of the B side of the song we will listen to it later called "Know You Talking." There is a, some kind of a mellow side because it's have been recorded at Rack Studio, a studio very well known because a lot of uh, famous bands recorded there. And, uh, and somehow it's got a vintage uh, analogical sound. Yes, yeah, uh, so Rack Studios are AK. It's in St. John's Wood. It's, um, it was a studio that was opened by a very famous uh, record producer, a very, very successful record producer, Nicky Most. Um, and it was opened out as a personal studio and so some you know amazing um, records uh, came out of there over the last sort of 40 or 50 years um, and while I've been recording there in the last year or so maybe in the last 12 months there's been um, who else who have they had they've had um, Radiohead um, Uh, I've seen that prefab sprout, yeah. I think, I think it's, um, but they've had a lot of sort of big bands in, in the room. There's about four, four studios there. It's a bit different to other studios, but I think, in, in a sense, it's a little bit like a slightly smaller Abbey Road, because everything at Rack, as far as I have always um, observed, is very, very super quality. There. It's very digital and modern and everything else, but and AI and everything you can do 
what you want. But they also have all the old gear from the 60s and the 70s, and they have fantastic maintenance person who still looks after them. So you can have your old uh, vintage sound, but, but for real, mm-hmm. if you want, because they've got the actual stuff. Um, or you can do everything, you know, super sort of in your in the computer and um, in the space and all that as well. Yeah, it's just a lovely place to be, and, and St John's Wood is, is a sort of a premium place. No one can afford to live there. <laughs> it's opposite Regent's Park, um, but it is a beautiful place to record. It's a real experience, actually. You are about to listen a song by Vienna Lint called Once. I really hope you will enjoy this song and uh, I really invite you to check out Vernally back catalog. Um, all songs, most of the song has been made with the legendary Todd Taylor.
And uh, let's talk about the, as well about vernal lint, about uh, single ones, because um, you're working with, with her too and uh, for a long time now. And um, but I would like to know how, how did you first discover her and uh, what what did you decide to, to to work with her first of all and uh, and still working with her after all these years? Uh, because. Uh, in around around the early 80s, uh, for about five six years, I had a, my own label, which is called the Compact Organization, and that label uh, came to exist because I was already at the age of like 21, 22. I was really frustrated by working with record labels because I had a record deal with Ireland Records when I was at school when I was around 16 and had a, a record label with them with, with a band that I was in a special moment and um, we got a kind of a taste of what record company people were like and what they were talking about constantly and generally they were talking a lot, a lot of the time they were talking about marketing mm. um, uh, rather than the music you know they saw the marketing as kind of like number one and the music as number two um, I think it's okay the marketing and the music are 50-50 because we're in popular music you know we're not in classical um, noise music we're in popular music so we have to sell things to be able to make another record that's one of the ideas behind the record business but it did make me think of what i wanted to do and i thought the best way i could achieve making the records i wanted to make was to have my own label so i started um a label called the Compact Organization, and then a year later, uh, a guy called Paul Kinder, who was from GTO Records, he had a lot more experience than me, came in and said, I'm gonna help you do that. We did it together for five, six years there. Mary Wilson was on that label, and the first record we put out was Attention Stockholm by Werner Lind. And I had met Werner Lind by chance in, in another way, and, and she just said to me, you know, I always wanted to hear a record about a kind of um, spy that wasn't a spy and something to do with Sweden and all this kind of thing. And she came up with this little song, a playing song. And I think about a week later, we went and recorded it. It only took three hours to record the whole thing. And what I did was, and usually I asked everybody that I knew who played an instrument to come to the studio. And so on the record, you hear about 25 people playing, but none of them quite know what they're what what the chords are, what the bass line is, or what they're going to be playing. So you get this nice sound of a lot of people playing, which is a bit unusual, you know, because as you know, you usually overdub the bass, and then you overdub the organ, and you overdub a trumpet. We didn't want to do that. We just wanted the excitement of having lots of people playing. So the first record, Attention Stockholm, if you dig it out, it's on Spotify. Um, we pressed up a thousand records, and Rough Trade bought all of them uh, in one afternoon. And then they burned me up three weeks later and said, can you make another thousand? So I did. Um, then I made another two thousand, then I made another three thousand. So we ended up selling, I think, about eight thousand copies of a seven-inch single, which was just phenomenal. Um, and then the thing got exported to Japan, and we realized that there was this huge audience um, at the time. This was the mid to late 80s into the mid-90s. Mid this huge audience in Japan that seemed to, um, you know, like or, or whatever. 
think, for records. So through the 90s, I did like one idea into another idea, one into another idea. Um, we recently made another Fernalyn record called Once, which you can hear on um, on Spotify, and that was made at uh, Rack as well. And we're and Rough Trade always distributed all my records, so they are still distributing my records, and they're distributing the Fernalyn records as well. You are listening, you are about to listen, to be, to be more precise, you, uh, you are about to listen to Bertrand Burgala L'Homme Ideal, uh, and I really encourage you to check out Bertrand Burgala back catalogue on all the stuff he produced and released on Tricatel, called T-R-I-C-A-T-E-L.com, and it's a wonderful label, and you can check out all the releases, uh, He's done with many, many artists and including his wonderful self-composed music. C'est l'été, saison des concupiscences Le soleil te réchauffe l'essence Des tentations Je regarde la mer Oui car L'homme idéal C'est moi Encore faut-il Trouver quelqu'un Qui me mérite L'homme idéal C'est moi Le sort a dit Ce serait toi Mon fendu l'occipute Des choses qui arrivent dans les disputes Mais les disputes Ce n'est pas cher payé Si je peux te oh. Ensuite se Et une voix 
And what's in, um, I suppose you are conscious of that, that uh, in France you did influence Bertrand Burgala, who always cites you as a reference. So uh, I would like to know uh, how do you feel about that, about uh, being now a reference point and uh, um, even encourage people like Bertrand Burgala to start his own record label in the mid 90s. Uh, because, um, so um, I, I, I know you're familiar with his work, but uh, I, I would like to know your, um, your feeling about that. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's very nice of Bertrand to, to say nice things. He, he, you know, I know he's, he's you know, quite complimentary about me. Um, it is very nice, particularly because he's, he himself is obviously important and sort of an important influence to the whole thing, really. Um, So yeah, it's, it's nice to uh, it's, it's nice when anybody says they like your record. That's that's really the most important thing, isn't it? You can sell a lot of records, but maybe the ones that you sell a lot, they they are they're kind of they may somehow be sort of watered down a little bit, you know, add water. Um, and it's usually the ones where you haven't added any water that are most difficult to sell because message musically. Is more direct and it's more musical. So I often find that the more music that you put into a song, uh, the worse the record sells, the less, the less, the less good it does. You know, is something in there that everyone, everyone, music people and non-music people can, can connect to. But yeah, Bertrand's all very, very nice, very complimentary about the records. You will listen to Jérôme Brac, Tout est si doux au mois d'août. Jérôme Brac is the guy behind the theme song of his um, very own podcast. And this uh, Tout est si doux au mois d'août, all is so sweet at the August month, is um, available on a compilation called um, It's a Deluxe World, released on Martyrs Pop, or that you can get on Bandcamp. So just check out... Uh, It's a deluxe world on Bandcamp and you will be able to check out Tout est si doux au mois d'août.
I really encourage you to check out Batan Loto Desir Urbain. It's called it's an European remix by David Defontaine. And Batam Loto Back Catalog is available and you can check out their website B A T A N L O T T O and uh, it's a very interesting band come from Normandy and uh, check them out. Oh, mm-hmm. 
question to to ask you just um, a little bit because um, you you was uh, involved for a long time uh, with um, fine art and um, I would like to have your, your, your feelings your, your opinion about the art market now uh, because uh, um, there's uh, art for art's sake of course but as well um, no art and um, money and um, 
has, be, uh, has been having part of a game and I would like to know your uh, your um, your feeling about the um, this global art market. The global art market. <laughs> that's a that's a big big, uh, big question about your. Yeah, I mean it's the American who most of the time who know rule the yeah. rule the things, Ben. Yeah, well, I always saw the contemporary art art market because we're just to be clear, we're talking about contemporary art. Yes. You know, not into um, into the sort of impressionism. No, I'm talking about uh, modern, modern art, particularly either. It's um, from around 1985, 1986, where you had a big, uh, big momentum coming from Goldsmiths uh, College in South London. So. The, my, my connection to the uh, contemporary art scene is really simple. Uh, in 1986, I went to Goldsmiths College to, to learn orchestration. I'd already been making records for about 10 years. I started very, 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 very young, getting into studios 1972 to 1973. Um, and I realized that I wanted some orchestral instruments, and it would be but I wanted them to play what I heard, so I would have to learn how to write it down. So 10 years later, about 1985-86, I went to Goldsmiths and I did about two years worth of orchestration, um, organizing music, arranging strings and things like this, and watched very closely, watched very carefully how people actually play those instruments and how to get different sounds out of them. While I was there, um, almost first day, I think it was about three days after my first day, I asked someone where the canteen, where the restaurant was, I wanted to get some food at lunchtime, and the guy said to me, if you go across the corridor, the main corridor, he said the music school is on the right-hand side of the building, and the art school is on the left-hand side of the building, and he said if you just cross that corridor, you will enter the art school, and that's where the restaurant is, that's where the canteen is. So I did. I went into the canteen, there was a guy in on, on the right hand side there sitting in the corner, I remember on a big round table, and he had a lot of drawings and little paintings on pieces of paper which he was selling. And I went over there and I had just sold some music to someone and I had some money. And I liked the drawings, so I bought six of the small drawings. They were about A4 size, you know, 20 inches by 30 inches. And that was Damien Hurst, um, who was a student at the in the art school at Goldsmiths. So the good thing about Goldsmiths was that the music school was on one side and the art school was on the other side. And so that was my, my, my first thing. Uh, my first thing that I thought of, of contemporary art, and it was Damien Hurst, so that was a good, uh, a good indication. Tracy Emin was also there at that time. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of connections between these people and, and music. Um, Tracy Emin, uh, her, her boyfriend at the time, or, or maybe slightly later, and that was Billy Childish, uh, who had a lot of bands, including the Head Coaties and all, all these bad bands. Um, he had about 30 different groups and they were together as a couple and yeah, there was at the time there was a lot of mixture between you know musicians pop, pop musicians people in bands and people in art like there always have been um so in 2003 
when I was fed up with music, it was kind of all the Spotify thing was starting, and I thought that was going to be the, the end of a, of a phase. I opened a, an art gallery instead in Soho called Bridal Makeup, which you can see online, <laughs> and uh, we were in there until lockdown uh, stopped it in 2018. So, yeah. And um, you, 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 no, you're back to, to, to music. And this um, first single was an appetizer for the album to come in the summer. And uh, as a last question, I would like to know about the, um, the general, uh, is, a, is, a, is a concept behind it or just a general climate, something we, we, we can expect about this, uh, this record? I would like to know what um, the color of this record. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, one of the things, one of the, you know, I, I like to have an idea about what I'm going to make. So if, if I said to myself, I'm going to make an album, I wouldn't just sit down and like some songs about some things. I'd actually think, what's, what's the overall subject? And I'd also think to myself, is there anything that I want to say? Is there anything? Usually I'm unhappy about things. So I'd think, is, am I unhappy still with the government? Of course, I always will be. Um, am I unhappy about this or that or that? Because it's easier to write about something that you're unhappy with than about something that you're happy with. So my, my songs tend to be a mixture of the two things. Um, I only went into Rack Studios uh, in 2018 because of COVID, mm. because the, 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 the art business, you know, we had to stop. We couldn't, we couldn't show the works to anyone. There were no art exhibitions. Same as in France, same as everywhere in the world. And so I thought, okay, well, I don't know what to do now. And I don't know how long this is going to continue. So I, and I'd always, always wanted to go to Rack Studios to see what it was like. I'd never been there. I've heard about it so, so, so much. Um, And the first record that I made, uh, of the new one, this was after a 20-year gap, so it was 20 years of not, not going into a studio. So first I had to learn some things about digital. But I'd made an exhibition in London at, at our gallery with Yoko Ono, um, which was about the Indica Gallery. And so I thought I would start off by writing a thank you letter to Yoko Um, for my first song. Mm. So that's what the song is. It's called Yoko. It's not called Oh Yoko, like her song. Mm. It's called Yoko O. And the reason it's called Yoko O is uh, O-H, I mean, is that in retrospect now, in the modern world, we have a different view of Yoko Ono mm. to the view that was pushed onto us Um, during the period that, that John Lennon was alive and afterwards. And yeah, so Yoko Ono is a different person to us. She's the same person as before to her, but, but she's a different person to the outside world. And so I thought, okay, what well, am I write about that? Because that gives me some interesting ideas. So that, that's why the first song, the first single, uh, you can see it online because we did a, a video for YouTube and everything. It's called Yoko Ono. Uh, yeah, it seems that uh, Yoko, as you say, um Maybe she was as well a victim of um, misogynistic times as well, uh, because people were put him down, put her down as a heavy witch or broke up the Beatles, all of that stuff. And uh, retrospectively, it seems to be very sexist and uh, misogynistic view of a uh, woman in rock bands. Yeah, it was very sexist. Um, a bad, 
really, really bad at the time. It was uh, misogynist and everything. It was just really basically anti anyone who um, one of the Beatles wanted to be with or fell in love with or married or whatever. I mean, Linda Eastman got some of the same um, criticism. But um, Yoko was kind of demonized and uh, that's puzzling. Um, When you look at the, the records that she was making at the time, uh, they are. They were interesting then, but they were odd then. Mm. They were very odd, I think, to the general public. Now they're even more interesting. They're even more odd, but they're not odd in the same way. Mm. So, in other words, we've uh, our brains have expanded a bit, and we mm. can accept a lot of the things that she was saying. The other thing is that she was definitely ahead of the music people because she was coming from art side so this was really the sense of it Yoko was coming from a more sort of metaphysical approach than we had in pop music at the time and the Beatles were really stuffed in pop music they were packed and they were packaged you know they they had their they were in a box um, even though they were incredibly forward-thinking for little geniuses and everything, you know, uh, but they were still subject to the, the ideas of the times. And Yoko Ono fits these times now, but she didn't fit so well in then. And that was the point of my song. It was a, a sort of a, we need to reconsider, number one. And number two, isn't it great that she's had that chance to um, feel um, feel some love, you know, feel some, um, feel some um, congratulations. <laughs> I know you're about to listen to Jean-Emmanuel Deluxe and Friends, Lushy Life, taken from my own album Raw Dream, featuring music by Kevin Corral, Bertrand Bergela, Shannon Hagan and Zappi from Faust and many other people. And uh, I'm very proud of his album and I uh, hope you will be able to check it out and you can also go to martyrsofpop.ueu to check out the record label and everything connected to it. Uh, Check it out. Comme vous, je suis mortel. J'ai eu un commencement et j'aurai une fin. Je suis né et je mourrai. Le Beachwood Canyon. Tu passes devant des taudis et des palais. Ça a commencé en 1923 à partir d'un petit ranch de 500 acres. Tu savais ça Pour moi, le monde s'arrête et commence là. Avant, il n'y avait que des fleurs, des renards, des opossums. J'aime bien les opossums. Ils se font passer pour morts pour échapper à leurs prédateurs. que tu écoutes n'est rien d'autre que le reflet de ma quête vers un Xanadu West Coast, bien loin de notre France moisie. Je sais pour certains c'est bizarre de fantasmer sur Hollywoodland, mais moi je préfère ça. Je préfère ça à Revival Nabant Vichy, survêt pour tous et bon vieux temps. On nous joue, on nous joue en ce moment. 
géographie de mon pays et je préférais les mondes de carton-pâte et colombo. Pourtant, lui, il est francophile. Mais souvent, je préfère mon futur ex-pays vu des yeux d'un Californien ou d'un Japonais. mettre le labyrinthe en ligne droite, ce serait l'âge d'or. And just one last question before we, we end um, this program is about France and um, and the, the way um, French critics um, analyze um, British music, maybe we maybe we are accused of over analyzing things, but I would like to know your uh, 
um, your opinion about uh, the way um, British pop is um, analyzed and see in France and, uh, and finally if you have a word to say to your uh, French uh, listener or fans <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know if I if, if I quite understand what you mean. I, I think one thing one I think one thing about the British and the French thing, or, or the British and the French and the German thing, or the British French German Italian Japanese thing, is that they all approach it from a slightly different angle, a slightly different thing. Um, I think that now. Uh, one of the one of the bad things about Spotify and everything is that we, it's all homogenized. You know, it's all blurred. It's all merged into one big thing. So we don't have the national nationalistic sort of separation of of music, which I, I think I probably preferred it the way it was. Um, but I think that uh, I think that in in Britain because of the Beatles and and because of all this. Um, and everything that followed, you know, because of everything that, that's followed, there has been uh, Brit British kids and English kids and, and and young people, teenagers. They've had the privilege of being kind of thought to be the leaders of this and that and this movement and this development and whatever. Um, France obviously came to the fore in, in the 90s with lots of huge things that were hugely influential. But before that, in a sense, it was kind of Britain. So that's why we had so much proliferation of styles. And so, you, so some people would think of British music as being folk music with a solo guitar, where the guy comes from or the girl comes from northern Scotland or the Hebrides or, or whatever. And some people think of it as being Johnny Rotten and some people think of it as being something else. Um, Harry Styles, you know. Um, and it's everything. So I think it's it's all become a very sort of homogenized thing. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so let, let's have this, um, but your album, your future album is very unique, so uh, I think it's out from the general globalization, if I wanted to make a, one last comment, uh, I, I don't know if you agree with me, but... <laughs> yeah. So, uh, thank you very... <laughs> thank you very much, Johnny Manuel, it's been lovely to speak to you. <laughs> okay, thank you. See you soon, bye-bye. I really hope you did enjoy this show, this podcast show, and um, stay tuned for other shows. It's very simple. Just check out this uh, show channel, and uh, if you can send it, um, your own email will be uh, informed on the forthcoming show. And uh, spread the word about it because um, the more you like, if you really like it, do not hesitate to tell other people about it. Bye bye. Mm -hmm.